0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to My Mental Health Matters. It's a show focused on the mental health and wellness of our caregiver community. Providence is working to fill the gaps in education, resources, and services available to our caregivers when it comes to our mental health and to provide a helping hand when roles are reversed and our caregivers are the ones in need of care. The My Mental Health Matters program is highlighting the need for professionals in the medical field to have the tools to overcome mental health challenges, recognize that need in their coworkers, and create a working environment of support and mental wellness. So let's get started with our guest today, Karen Rentis, a licensed clinical psychologist and director of behavioral health and primary care integration for Providence in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Mary. Well, I'm going to start you off with an easy one. Let's talk about your role with Providence. Tell people a little bit about what you do.
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm a clinical psychologist, and I am based at one of our medical groups in LA service area in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I'm based at Facy Medical Group. And I support behavioral health integration with primary care. So our programs, uh, we have designed integration with uh, with primary care where patients, when they come to see their primary care physician, we are doing depression screening, for example, and those patients that are in need of behavioral health treatment, we co- we connect with them at that moment to make sure that they get the treatment that they need. Uh, we are also integrating, integrating behavioral health with Pediatrics and OB-GYN. So anything around uh, behavioral health treatment at anywhere where patients are seen by their physicians.
0: Well, you know, I know that Providence is very heavily committed to behavioral health and that's a lot of the work that you do. And it's absolutely something that we focus on with our patients in the community, but also something that we're really focused on for our own caregivers, you know, our own employees. Um, talk to me a little bit about why we're seeing such an increase in stress and anxiety and substance abuse and even suicide and suicide attempt um, by people in the healthcare field.
1: That's, that's a very uh, important conversation to have. Um, I think that with, you know, in 2020 was a year that was pretty um, overwhelming from, for all of us. And one of the things that really had a great impact in, in all of us, it's the change in our daily things. So when, when, when you have a daily routine, that gives you the ability to predict and just have a pattern that you repeat over and over every day. And that brings us a sense of comfort level, uh, being able to feel in control of, of your life Just uh, think about, you know, something that you do every morning brushing your teeth, right? So just the routine uh, keeps you, gives you the sense of, of control. So 2020 interrupted our routines um, with, with COVID-19. So our ro- routines of, you know, either coming to work or working from home, uh, having to wear masks or social distancing Uh, So many, many changes to our uh, daily routines and even at work, um, just having this sense that there was this uh, anxiety provoking issue, which is COVID and everything is about it, about it. So you have something that it's giving you anxiety and you are paying attention to that thing that's giving you anxiety on a basis that it doesn't help. Not that I'm saying that we should ignore COVID, but from a clinical standpoint, we need to make sure that um, you know it, it makes sense for everyone to feel more anxious and more depressed because now we have all this all this attention on that thing that it's making us more anxious.
0: I think that that all makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, we've seen so much stress and anxiety just with COVID in general, but I know we've also seen really strong leaps of, of the same within the Latino community. And, you know, I know you, you work and live and breathe in that community. Talk to me a little bit about what pressures our Latino caregivers might also be experiencing during this time that could be adding to that mental health um, issues.
1: That's a very interesting question. I think that uh, for uh, us Latinos uh, providing uh, healthcare, um, we, we do have uh, a strong sense of taking care of our, uh, our brothers and sisters. So we have that pressure of being able to support our, our own communities. And with all the limitations, with, uh, with being able to see, see our patients face to face, or you know through telehealth, um, you know it, it's oftentimes it's difficult to connect with our patients through other avenues that are relatively new to us. Uh, with with Spanish speaking patients uh, in particular, uh, oftentimes they they could have some difficulty connecting with technology. So when we have um, uh, telehealth visits. Uh, it's, it, it could be daunting to be able to, to feel that you are helping those patients when they are having some kind of um, challenges with you know, something as simple as connecting with, with a telehealth visit. Um, and then when it comes to mental health, um, not, not that I'm saying that this is unique to, to us Latinos, but uh, stigma is there. So for us, uh, it could be, Hard to to reach out for help when when we need it. Again, I want to be careful that you know stigma is not something that it's unique to to the Latino uh, population, uh, but it's there. Uh, so it could be it could be hard for us to reach out for help. And when when we do reach out for help, uh, oftentimes we struggle with with finding uh, a Spanish speaking therapist, for example, or a Spanish speaking psychiatrist. So it doesn't it doesn't help with. With the, with the with the struggles that we're having at the time.
0: Can you talk to me a little bit about kind of, we know that culture influences our view on mental health, right? And, and you're saying, you know, it's, it's obviously not just Latinos. We see this with Asian American, Pacific Islander, Latinos, Native Americans. You know, every culture has a different view on mental health. What are the things though that maybe are a little bit different for Latinos than maybe any other culture that, that we know of?
1: Um, when, I, I
0: should say when it comes to the view of mental health.
1: Sure, no, I, I think that um, there are certain conceptions that again, like I, I wanna make sure that I, you know, I'm, I'm mindful that some conceptions are not unique to, to uh, Latino patients or Latino, the Latino population. Uh, but, but from my own uh, background, I would say that this, this perceived uh, conception that if you reach out for help, uh, that means that you're crazy. Uh, that you're weak, or that you have no sense of self-control, or um, that you might just start becoming violent. Um, so there is those those beliefs, uh, and they they might not be again um, specifically for, for the Latino population, but those are some of the values that uh, I learned growing up in a, in a Spanish speaking in a Spanish speaking um, uh, country.
0: So, what would you say then, if we had caregivers who maybe are looking for mental health resources but are a little bit afraid to reach out for just the 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 thought of how they might be perceived or their own personal perception, what would you say to them?
1: well i would I would say that uh, mental health is as important as physical health. Um, and I think that you know if I ask you uh, one question, um, have you seen your primary care physician in in the last twelve months? Or have you had any consultation with a weight management specialist in the last six months? Um, and I, if I ask that same question, but substituting the, the professional with the mental health profession, have you seen a mental health professional in, in the last 12 months? Or have you seen uh, a psychiatrist in the last uh, six months? How? What's, what's your internal reaction? And I think that we, we, we really need to acknowledge that Mental health is as important as physical health. It's not that our brain is disconnected from the rest of the body. It's 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 part of our health.
0: I'm so, I'm so glad you phrased it that way because you know one of the things we're talking about today is the My Mental Health Matters program, which is. Providence, one, one of many ways that Providence is really focusing on caregiver mental health. And, you know, that program starts with education and stigma reduction, and it moves into kind of this education curriculum of, you know, what are the signs of anxiety? How do you have a conversation with the coworker you might be worried about? How do you find a behavioral health specialist? How do you fire a behavioral health specialist, right? There's so much education that goes into it. But one of the biggest pieces of it is that mental health assessment you and I have talked about, Right where it's it's really that right we go in for our annual breast cancer screen like i get a mammogram every year i get a physical exam every year but i don't necessarily get a mental health checkup and so this you know the self assessment tool is really important because it gives our caregivers a chance to answer the questions that will really help them decide where are they on that level of you know, anxiety, depression, do I need help, do I not? And then deliver these resources to them based on those answers, you know, which is interesting to me because it's completely anonymous, right? So nobody else is gonna know what my answers are, but based on those answers, I can then access resources. And one of them is if I'm, you know, if I'm at that level 10, nine, eight, seven, whatever, that I actually wanna have a one-on-one with a behavioral health therapist who's within the Providence network, I can do that. So my question to you, because you do represent your community, would you take that assessment? Would you feel comfortable taking that assessment? Do you think everybody should take it? Absolutely,
1: uh, absolutely. I think it's again, it's as important as seeing um, a primary care physician to have your your general checkup. It's it's part of uh, of our health. It, it should be it should be uh, we should take care of that of that. Um, I always say, Mary, that. Uh, for us caregivers, anyone taking care of of patients at at any level, is it a you know physician? Is it a receptionist? Is it a medical assistant? In, in any capacity, uh, I always say that as you know, as we care for others, um, we should care of ourselves. You know, our care for ourselves should go up as we care for others, and um, I think it's it's very. Um, Fortunate that now providence have this self assessment that we can tap into, and just like it, just give us uh, put us at ahead of the game where you're ready to your assessment, and then you, if you need it, you will get that uh, connection with with the therapist. Uh, just that step itself for many of us it's super daunting. Like I could internally acknowledge that I would benefit from seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist, but it could be so daunting for me to make that judgment call, you know what? I'm gonna call the number in the back of my insurance card, or I'm gonna do a Google search to, to find a therapist. Just making that decision, it could be super overwhelming. So I think it's it's a great uh, resource to have this self-assessment that then could trigger um, uh, uh, next steps. <laughs>
0: I love too that you know, you're actually getting to speak with people who also work in the health field, right? So you're not just finding somebody like on Google who maybe has no experience in that and doesn't understand what you're going through. You're actually dealing with people who work in the same system, who know the same struggles, right? Maybe had to go through the PPE shortage the same as you, that sort of thing. I think it's really important to to recognize that. I think it's also really cool that, you know, maybe it isn't somebody that you want to speak to, but you just want meditation guidance or you want yoga guidance or, you know, there's one of the things I absolutely love is the tele-spiritual care where, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody in our spiritual department and they can just help kind of guide you down that path of your journey and, and where you want to be. So, you know, t- talk to me a little bit about some of the other resources we have like Silver Cloud or the mindfulness meetings or the tele-spiritual. Why do you think it's important to have the full range of opportunities for people?
1: I I, I really like that question. I think that uh, when it comes to take care of ourselves and our mental health, um, we are. We should be responsible for choosing our own wellness. Uh, what's my my wellness uh, tool to to take care of, of my mental health? So I think I think it's great to have uh, kind of like a menu of options that we could tap into according to um, our personality, our values, our experiences in the past, or uh, anecdotal um, evidence from, you know, those around us, I think it's great to have uh, a menu of options uh, so people could take care, so we can take care of ourselves. I, I think that, that at the end, it's all about choosing your own wellness and knowing uh, where those resources are so you can tap into those resources when you need them.
0: I also, I guess I love this whole program because I also like that, you know, where you find these resources is the live, And I love the fact that it's dot .live, right? It's it's why should you be here? How should you be here? How can you focus on that healthy lifestyle? And so I love that all these resources are available in one place yes. rather than, and you know, right? You're in the system. It's like, do I go to SharePoint? Do I go to the network? Do I go to the internet? Like trying to find something can be very challenging in its own right. Um, Tell me, though, uh, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. How do you make your own mental health a priority? Let's talk about it. Like, what do you do to focus on your own mental health? or Are there any, any tips that you might give to people listening?
1: Oh, that's that's a good question, Mary. A um, uh, few things. Um, I, I do have um, my annual checks with my primary care physician. And we we talk about, you know, we start with depression screening. So that's something that I do at least uh, once once a year. Um, in my daily routine, I do a couple of things. Um, I exercise on a regular basis. I pay attention to my diet. Um, I also make sure that I'm taking time off uh, to completely disconnect from, from work. Um, I also pay attention to my uh, how I relate to others. I have found uh, myself and when, when I reach the point where I'm starting to become a little bit short tempered with anyone around me. That's kind of like my reflex. Like, oh, oh, I need, I need, I need to decompress. I need to do something about it. Uh, and that's something that I, I learned through going, uh, through going through the process of psychotherapy myself. Uh, so I gained that insight by you know by you know seeing a therapist and you know that therapist pretty much calling me out. Uh, so when I reach a point where I'm, you know, finding myself like feeling a little bit short tempered, like, uh Oh, like I need to, I need to kind of like, uh, do something about it because this is, this is not, this is not good. I'm not being, I'm not living my life, uh, to, to, to the potential that, that I have. Um, so different things, you know, having a daily routine, uh, paying attention to, to your, to my thinking patterns. Um, and I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, I, I see I saw a, a uh, one of my uh, health providers, and I was dealing with some symptoms in my life. And I, I asked my doctor, "Okay, doctor, so what's the worst possible scenario that could explain why I'm having you know you know this pain?" And you know what the physician asked answer my question and it was like a catastrophe because it was the worst possible diagnosis that I could <laughs> that I could ever hear but you know what I I asked that question and she gave me the answer and it you know after that there were like a couple of weeks that I had to wait to get the test results and you know it it was it was nothing close to what what I had fear but that itself you know just paying attention to my thinking patterns uh, am I always, you know, defaulting into creating a catastrophe in, in, my, in, my, in my thinking patterns? That, that would be an example. So just paying attention to my thinking patterns, how I am, um, what are the thoughts that are coming through when, when I'm dealing with, with life stressors?
0: Oh my gosh, you and I are the same because I'm always the worst case scenario so that I can then plan the three solutions for it, which I always think is great because then I'm prepared for everything. But everybody around me is like, why are you a doomsdayer? <laughs> on the flip side, when bad things happen, people come to me because I'm prepared. Uh, no. But you know, one of the things you just touched on, I think, is also really fascinating is that people don't necessarily equate symptoms or things they're experiencing in their life to their mental health, right? It's like, I could be having, you know, shortness of breath or whatever, and I automatically think I have heart disease, but maybe I have anxiety, right? I'm super stressed. Maybe that's what's causing me to not be able to sleep or to gain weight. So how do you, how do you address that? Like, what do we tell people when maybe how they should connect their mind to the rest of their body?
1: Um you know what, it's, it's interesting because oftentimes when, uh, when there is a physical symptom of any sort, the first thing is to rule out if that there's, there's something physical that could be explaining those symptoms, right? If you have chest pain, you want to make sure that your heart is fine, right? Uh, so you want to like, uh, rule out, uh, all those, uh, physical explanations first. Uh, but I think that just having the awareness of, you know, developing a culture of, of, insight it's it's good uh just paying attention to your body and what like making that intentional connection between your thinking patterns and what you are uh you're feeling in your body Uh, anxiety it's one of those uh conditions that have lots of physical manifestations uh in, in in our bodies is it you know headaches chest pain this uh, discomfort in your stomach, uh, that feeling like tingling feeling in your in your hands. Uh, so anxiety does have you know it's one of those things that have that many physical manifestations uh one one other one is like going to the bathroom quite often and you will not think that of as a symptom of anxiety, but it, it is a symptom of isa- anxiety. So I think it's 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 you know we we really need to pay attention to our bodies and listen to our bodies so we can, you know, have those conversations with with our primary care physician to start with. Uh, so uh, those uh, physical symptoms could be ruled out first, and then go into the mental health aspect if if those are uh, if those are there.
0: You know, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you because I I know again you do specialize in you know the Latino community, but a lot of times and I don't want to say a lot of times, but I would say majority of the time I'm talking with my Latino friends, they have actually reached out and they have actually tried to engage in some sort of mental health you know, access, whether it be digital tools or, you know, visiting somebody. And they haven't necessarily had a positive experience for many reasons, right? Like you talked about, it's it's hard to understand the language. It's, I can't find somebody that looks like me, talks like me, understands me, right? So let's just say that we're talking to a caregiver who has tried to reach out and didn't have a positive experience before. What would you say to encourage them to reconsider and try again? Because we know that the time we're in is Harder than it's ever been before, right? And now they're probably experiencing, you know, a harder time getting through it, but we definitely want to encourage them to take that step.
1: So I would say that just trying to take the same approach that you would have taken if you had the same uh, issue with connecting with the primary care physician, for example, or OBGYN, uh, I think that uh, it's quite common that you might see a, a, a physician and there's something that you know you feel that it you didn't have the right connection and has nothing to do with the expertise uh or experience of, of that physician. It's just like you know you feel that it you didn't have the click. Uh, so that could happen uh with with you know with the behavioral health specialist or, or a psychiatrist. So just keep pushing, so you find the right match, as you would do the same with a primary care physician, for example. Uh, when it comes to, to psychotherapy, one one question that I, I get quite often when someone is seeing a therapist, like, what if I don't, what if I don't like my therapist? Like, how do do I tell my therapist? Uh, and if I if I tell my therapist, like, how should I tell my therapist? So I always say. I personally would not feel offended at all if one of my patients tells me, you know, I don't like you or or, this is this is not working for me. In fact, I I think that that's that's you know, that's a positive sign that, you know, something it's 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 working because that person is it's advocating for their own wellness uh, from a from a provider standpoint. I could tell you that if I have a patient that tells me, you know, this this is not working, usually that's the start of a shift in the in the therapy process. Because from there, as a, as a provider, I would say, okay, so let's let's talk about this. Like, what is it working? What is not working? Just can, getting a little bit of more of their perspective as to why, you know, you know that that uh, that support is not working for them. And usually it just leads to it leads the psychotherapy process to a whole new level. Um, and it, at the end, if if it's still if you still feel the same, that it is not working for you, just go get another one. I think it's fine. I think that we all have the right to choose our own wellness. And if that implies that, you know, seeing a new therapist, yes, go for it. I think it's it's only fair.
0: It's funny. I always. People, It's almost like you're, you're in a relationship with your therapist, right? And would you stay in a relationship with somebody that you didn't enjoy being around or that wasn't helping you or that didn't make you feel good, right? I mean, it, it's kind of like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship in my mind.
1: That's an interesting comparison it's a a relationship but uh yeah it's more i like to think it's more like a therapeutic relationship
0: (laughs) Uh, well there you go there you go maybe maybe what i'm hearing myself say is that i'm treating my loved one like a therapist Hmm. (laughs) let me rethink that (laughs) well i know we don't have a ton of time karen so i want to really just give you a chance What would you say to Latin caregivers or even just people in general that are listening to this? You know, what would you want them to take away from this conversation as we talk about why mental health is so important?
1: Uh, I would say that uh, mental health or mental illness, it's quite common. Um, You know, I think that at this point we know that one in every five people in the U.S. are suffering from some kind of mental illness. So that means that it's quite common. Um, and it's it is okay not to be okay uh, so reach out for help uh it's 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 okay not to be okay What it's not okay it's not reaching out for help when when you really need it uh there is you know stigma sometimes it's a big barrier so we all need to start we, we all need to keep pushing uh our fight against stigma uh but at the end of the at the end of the day we we need to take care of ourselves and we need to reach out for help
0: let me let me throw one more question at you because I think it is important that we need to acknowledge that we do need to reach out for help but I think sometimes we as caregivers and fellow caregivers who spend so much time with our co-workers right sometimes we're the first people maybe that notice that somebody isn't quite themselves or maybe needs some help if if I'm that coworker and I'm looking at somebody and I'm thinking, you know, she just doesn't seem herself. She seems extra cranky or extra tired or extra depressed or it's like she's having a harder time getting to and from work just you know doing her normal work. What's the what's the thing that I should do as somebody who's concerned for them and wants to reach out? Do I just have a conversation with them like what what would you suggest I do? I think that
1: there's no approach that you could take across the board that would be effective with everyone so for example for someone might be very very helpful to hear the question hey Mary how are you doing like no no for real like how are you doing just having that that conversation Um, and for other people might be more effective, just saying something like, "Hey, Mary, like, just let, I just wanted to let you know I'm here for you. Anytime that you want to talk about something that might be going on, just you, know, just be aware that you know you can call me anytime, and I'm going to be here for you. Uh, so I think that whatever approach that you decide to have with those ones that you are concerned, just you know, just take the time to consider what would be a good given of giving the information that you know about about them, about their personality, and of course considering the type of relationship that that you have with that person, but I don't think that there, there is uh, a uh, approach that would be effective across the board. Uh, I think that we all respond in different ways to to different through different uh, manners. Uh, just taking the time to kind of like delivering a message in a way that, you know, that will resonate with that person. And also, you know, giving them the space to decide whether they want to have that conversation or not.
0: Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us today and everyone on the My Mental Health Matters show. We look forward to continuing the conversation on mental health with more of our behavioral health experts from Providence. Be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs and services, visit Providence.org. You can also hear more of our shows on Dash Radio under the Future of Health radio station or on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening and you're a caregiver with Providence or any of our affiliate partners, please visit mymentalhealthmatters.live for a list of resources available to you. If you need help, you are not alone. We are here for you. Thanks for listening and be healthy.